we just want to continue in our study of Galatians. If you've got your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to get there in a minute. Um, I, I, I love what we learned last week, just that as, as the kids, as God's children, understanding what that means, I, you can start to see that that revelation is starting to set, uh, sink into the hearts of, of some here, and it's, uh, it's exciting to see that, where you realize you're his kid, that you can have intimate conversation with God, that, that, and, and to be able to take advantage of that. Um, not just being a slave anymore, not being someone who's here because you're going to follow in the rules, but you're here because you're celebrating life, the, the life that Jesus has given you. And I, and I want to encourage you that, that as we study the Word of God this morning, it's like seeds. It gets planted in your heart, uh, and, the, and the soil of your heart matters. Uh, to, it, that if, if there's not an openness, if there's not a saying, hey, you know what, uh, yeah, God, I'm, I'm kind of open to what you want to do in my life today, those seeds, just they'll be gone before you leave the parking lot. You know, maybe even before you get to coffee afterwards, you'll have forgotten everything uh, that's, that's said this morning. Uh, my prayer this morning is that, that I would just be able to speak straight to your heart, uh, to, that, that the, the Word of God would just go right straight there, because I believe today is probably one of the, uh, it's one of the most exciting ones uh, so far in this study of Galatians, uh, and I almost missed it. Uh, I was skiing this week, uh, which was pretty awesome. I know a bunch of you, I, I apologize in, uh, for, for making it sound like I was taking my family on vacation last week when I said I'm on vacation. People are like, oh, Beth, where are you guys going? She's like, nowhere. You know, he's, uh, uh, thanks to the six of you who rubbed that in last week. That, that's, just, that's been great for me. Um, but uh, we went skiing with my father-in-law and my brother-in-laws, and uh, we had a fantastic time over in, uh, in Quebec. Uh, I used muscles I never knew I had. I pulled something in here, so it feels like I'm having a heart attack for like three days, but apparently you can't do that. So thanks to Google, I know that I am okay. Um, but uh, had a really, really great time. And, and you know, I'd spend the nights in the lodge just reading through Galatians chapter four because I knew that's where we were going to be. And as, as I'm reading through it, I'm like, come on, man, Galatians chapter five is where it's at. You know, like, do we have to go through all of this to, to get there? Because that, that's the good stuff. I know it's coming because I've been reading through the book multiple times. It's just like, when do we get to chapter five? You know, we got we to gotta slog through number four with fools and idiots and, you know, what's wrong with you people? And to get to the place where it's like, you know, brothers and sisters in chapter four, you know, I love you guys again. Like, okay, Paul, let's just get to where it's like the life, the, the how we live it. But, and I almost skipped it. I even asked my father-in-law, I said to Dick, he said, should I just, you know, should we just skip ahead or should we just continue in this? And, and I got a text. Even as I was thinking about asking him, I got a text from somebody here. And I realized that, that uh, just the confirmation uh, in that text to just continue on the course. And, and uh, having done that, just realized, man, it's been amazing. One of the things, and I want to share that with you this morning. One of the things that we've been learning about Galatians is that it's really repetitive. Uh, we did a pop quiz last week, and I thought maybe, hey, nobody knows the answer. I also came to realize that nobody loves to volunteer answers in church. You know, it's just like, you know, school again. Like, don't, don't, don't ask me to answer just in case. Um, but uh, one thing we've been learning all the way through Galatians so far is that Paul is contrasting two things. He's saying, I'm setting a defense for the gospel. I'm saying, this is what the good news is, and stick to that like, you know, like Flint. Don't let yourself get anywhere off the road of what the good news is. There's people coming. They're called the Judaizers. They're going to tell you that you got to have the law, and you got to have rules, and you got to have all this stuff. He says, don't get caught away from that one thing, that it is about Jesus. What he did is enough, that he's done, he's done it all. Before you even arrived on the planet, he loved you and saw you and gave his life for you to, to rescue you. But you know, it's interesting. We forget stuff real easy. 
Really easy. I've been doing a study of the brain, actually, this, uh, this uh, week as well, and realized that even our brains, they just forget stuff just because of the way they're created. There's, this, there's three, well, there's four, but three main reasons why we forget stuff. One, it's, um, the technical term is called retrieval failure. If you don't think about something uh, often enough, you can forget that thing just because you just, you, your brain hasn't taken the, 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 the trip to go and pick up that piece of information and bring it back to you. Like, for instance, uh, myself. Uh, I, I know my cell phone number until someone asks me for it. Hey, what's your number? Oh, uh, man, it's five, six, eight, six, and, and all of a sudden my brain starts going, I know it. I, I know it's there, but I don't use that all the time. I'm calling you people. I'm trying to figure out what your numbers are uh, most of the time, and otherwise it'd be just like, hey, I'll text it to you, and now you got my number. But that's one of those things where if we don't continually go back and, and pick up the information here of the gospel, and this is what it is, it's just our brains are wired that we're going to forget what that is. And I found that was something in my own life that, that not studying that, not just um, having and always being ready to give a, a, an answer for the gospel, it just seems to get lost. You know, our brains are wired with another thing called interference. You know, where you're on a mission and all of a sudden you see something else. It's like the other day I'd go downstairs to my pantry to get something from the, from, uh, the pantry and I'd go down there and I was like, oh yeah, my fish need to be fed. And i feed my fish, go back upstairs. Oh yeah, wait, I was supposed to go down there to get that. i go down there and like, oh yeah, wait, the fish, wait, I gotta feed my worm farm. All right, so i go and feed the worm farm and I'd go back upstairs and I'm like, oh man, you know, three times I gotta go downstairs to get the same thing. Why? Because interference. And he's saying the same thing here. There's things that are just going to attack your brain. They're just going to jump up and be like, what? Oh, somebody walked in? Oh, no. And, and now we're back again, right? It's that simple. That the way our, our own brain works. And the last one is failure to store information. You know, that our brains are, are really great at filtering out the stuff we don't think we need. If I were, for instance, to ask you to draw a picture of a penny, and you were to draw and think, yeah, picture in your mind a penny right now. So you draw the penny, and you look, you're thinking about, okay, I drew the penny, and, and then you compare it to a real penny. Chances are great you're going to have missed half of the details that are in that penny. Because all you really needed to know about a penny was, well, it's brown, it's small, and it's worth nothing. You know, so I'd rather have a quarter. So you, you've now, you kind of have that in your head. You didn't need it, because it's only what you needed at the time is, is what helped. So for you, if you're going through this, and you're like, you know, I'm not really, it's not, it's not seeming to speak to my, my heart and my life at this time. It's not like I'm witnessing to somebody and I need the gospel. Chances are good that you will forget most of what we've talked about in Galatians. But Paul doesn't leave that option. He's like, yeah, you guys are going to be preaching about it for a long time because week after week after week, my prayer my, for, for us as a church is that there's going to be a week where it's like, whoa, Man, did I ever need that. Thank you, Jesus, for, for who you are. And I just continue, even in my own life, to just reach out to everything that he's done and to live that out. That it would be more than just, you know, information, but it'd be life-changing uh, that defines who we are, even as, uh, even as Kingsway Church and as the church. This morning, I want to switch things up a little bit because, uh, and we just do that around here. Galatians chapter 4. Uh, uh, we're going to read from um, verse... Oh, 08 all the way down to about uh, verse 20. But I want to start at verse 12 uh, and go from there first, and then we'll come back to the first uh, few verses. So, you, you, you good? You with me? Still there? Good. Galatians uh, verse, verse 12. Um, dear brothers and sisters, uh, he's back to being nice again, which is kind of cool. He says, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Then he says this, you did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. So he's saying, hey, when I first came and talked to you guys, you guys were really nice to me. 
He says, surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news, but even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in, you cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where's that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? So Paul says, hey, you know what? Back when I first met you guys, I was really sick. He kind of, through other scriptures, he talks about this eye condition, this problem he had with his eyes. Possibly he ended up in Galatia because he wasn't able to travel any further down uh, on his journey. He ends up there with this hideous-looking eye problem. He says they don't even want to, you know, it's, it's hard for people to look at. And, and, you know, if you're feeling that this morning, just look down at your Bibles as I'm, I'm speaking. But he says, you know, this, this thing of, it was hideous for them. It's like the, the you know, whatever, the, the hunchback of Notre Dame. He he's, feels like this is what it is. And yet, he says, even though my condition was like that, he says, you guys accepted me. He says, you treated me like royalty. You treated me like, like God himself. And you received my words. And he says, so, so now what happened? Because now, he says, now I'm hearing through the, through the grapevine and the Pony Express that, that I'm like your enemy. So, so what's going on? He's like, is it because I'm just telling you the truth? So what I want you to just catch is what's Paul's heart in, in, uh, in his attitude and what he's saying to them at this point. He says, uh, right after that, he says, those false teachers, they're so eager to win your favor. That's what they want, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you'll pay attention only to them. If someone's eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. So he's saying, hey, there's people who are, who are deliberately trying to cut you off from what the, the truth that I spoke to you, not only the truth, but also from the people who are going to speak truth into your life. You know, to stir up that offense and say, oh, you know, Paul's not this. Think about us. Pay attention to us. And Paul said, hey, it's never been about me, but follow Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. And he says, you're missing that as soon as you start looking to men. Then he goes on. Verse 19, he says, oh, my dear children, changes his tone again. I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they'll continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Uh, You know, labor pains, anybody gone through the whole thing of having a baby? You know, I remember that four times. It was like, you know, all that pushing, all that pain, all the tears, the screaming, you know, that's just me, you know. (laughs) That was just me, don't worry. Um, But Beth, you know, when I watch Beth go through this, she's like a trooper, you know, just, uh, just a, a, an amazing, amazing woman of great strength. But do you know what? My wife is a, an incredible multitasker. She can have so many things on the go and does, and I'm just like, I'm lost. But when she's having a baby, there's only one thing on her mind. Get that baby out. That's it. There's nothing else that is her whole focus in that, in that time. It's really, really incredible. Um, the, the thing that I realize is with Paul, he's saying the same thing. These labor pains, this whole thing, this is what I feel like. My, my whole focus is on this one thing. And who is it? These Galatians. And what is it? That Christ would be formed in them. That they would, the word formed is morpho, which we get the word metamorphosis, you know, where a, a caterpillar changes into a butterfly and looks like something different. He says, my, my whole heart, my whole focus, my whole goal, and it even hurts sometimes, is that I want you to look like Jesus. And as I read that, I think, you know what, there's some great things in here that what he want, not only for the Galatian church, but also for us as Kingsway, is that you would look like Jesus. He's saying, this is my whole focus, my whole intent, is that you would get there. And he says, I wish I could change my tone. He says, I wish I was there right now, so I could, wouldn't have to talk to you like this. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you, except for writing you some nasty-sounding letters. That, that's kind of what his, his uh, thought was. 
And I think about that. He's pretty passionate. He's pretty dead set. He's got his, he's got his heart on one thing. And, and if you look at right before what's happening, this is what he's all passionate about. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. Where we want to spend the most of t- today. It says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that don't even exist. He's saying before. You know, before you knew God, this is where you were. But since you know God, it's, it's different. You were slaves to gods who didn't, didn't even exist, couldn't help you, couldn't do anything for you. He says that, so now that you know God, in verse 9, and in brackets he says this, or should I say, now that God knows you. He doesn't, he doesn't even let them have that, that joy of saying, hey, it was us, we got to know God. He says, that's not even you. He says, it's the fact that God knows you. Why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? When we looked at the spiritual principles last week. We realized that that word's talking about the demonic principles. It's, it's the, uh, the demonic side of things, you know, where they were worshiping demons. He says, why would you want to go back to that? And uh, he says, and I think we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll wait one second there. But he says the reason, the reason that Christ came the, the very reason that Jesus lived his life, left heaven and came here, was so that you could know God, but also that he could know you. You think, well, what's the difference? The difference, you know, is, is that, that Jesus never came to create this, this, um, this new religion. He, he didn't come and say, you know what? We've got, got a whole bunch of religions there. Let's start a new one. And I like it. I'm going to be Jesus Christ, and we'll call this Christianity. You know, this is perfect. People will be, you know, they'll, they'll go to church on Sundays. You know, they're going to they're gonna do communion together. They'll go to Sunday school even as little kids and learn how they're supposed to behave. Then when they get to church, they're going to have a few songs that they're going to sing. Yeah, this is good. This is good. I like it. Then, then, you know, write this down, angel, somewhere. You know, put this down so I don't forget. But then when they get down, then they're going to pass the offering buckets. We'll get their money. Then, oh, what else can we do? Hey, we could have one guy stand at the front and preach from a book. That'd be cool. Okay, let's do that. And, and then after we'll say, you know, the uh, uh, hallelujah chorus three times and then we'll go home and, and that'll be good for a week. Let's do it. Sounds good? Yeah, let's do it. And he didn't do that. So, so how do we end up like that? Did you ever wonder? He didn't, he didn't come to start this thing of buildings and traditions and rules and, and all that kind of stuff. What did he come to do? He, he came to start a family where every person has access, every child has access to dad. So if that's what he came to start, is that what we're living in? Is that where we're at, that we have access to dad, that we have relationship with dad? Somebody gave me a book, and thanks to them, I'm halfway through it, but it's called God Without Religion. I think that's exactly what his whole idea was, is that everywhere up until then, it's been religion, people doing something to try and get to God. Even the Jewish uh, followers of the law were trying to get to God, to create sacrifice, to go to a temple, to do things all in a certain way, to get to God. He says, you know what? Let's change this whole game up. Let's, let's get to them. Let's go to them instead, and let's set this thing up that they can have God without religion. That they could have Christ without getting together on necessarily every Sunday morning. That they could have relationship with God outside of animal sacrifices. That they could get to God outside of trying to live up to a certain standard. So if that's what it was all about, how did we end up like this today? Good question. Thanks, Mark. That was good. guy named Bob. There's a little band out there called U2. You may have heard of them. Their lead singer's name is Bono. He said this, I often wonder if religion is the enemy of God. It's almost like religion is what happens when the Spirit has left the building. 
Wow. Here's a guy we don't even know if he's saved. It's almost like religion is what happens when the Spirit has left the building. God's Spirit moves through us in the world at a pace that can never be constricted to one religious paradigm. I think it's so true. So true in the fact that, that, that the relationship with God is so much bigger than all of the things that we try and do surrounding it. And, and, and outside the relationship, all of a sudden we get so involved with doing all kinds of things. But he wasn't concerned about that. And I see, hopefully you can see that this morning as we look through this. Paul was saying, it's not just about keeping the rules, not just about being good and all that kind of stuff, but it goes beyond that. He says that wasn't, the, the whole reason Jesus came wasn't just to pay for all your bad sins. It was to restore relationship. Take a look, Genesis. In the book of Genesis where God created it all in the beginning, he created Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and it's, it doesn't actually say that God had relationship with Adam and Eve. It doesn't say that specifically, you know, in black and white. But what it implies is that God had a whole different connection with Adam and Eve than he did with everything else in the garden. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about how, you know, on, on the first day God decided that he's going to go have a latte with an antelope and think, you know, that was pretty great. You know, and then later on he's like, hey, you know, he goes and he, he has, um, you know, craft dinner with, a, you know, a herd of bison. And then he says, oh, you know, I'm going to go hang out with that, that other guy, you know, Adam. You know, I'll walk with him in the cool of the day. But it does talk about this thing of where God talks to them. He speaks with them and has conversations with them. He, he talks about how he, he's at least visited them once in the cool of the day, which would kind of presuppose that it probably happened more often other than just when he was coming to give them a butt whooping and kick them out of the garden. It was, it was this thing of they knew that he was there. There was this, he created a garden specifically for them. He said, these guys are so special, created in my image. I'm going to create an amazing place for them, paradise for them. That's the kind of connection he had with people. And he says that's the relationship that was lost, destroyed through sin. And you see that God's mission from day one to now was to restore relationship. To restore the fact that you could have relationship, friendship, talking to God again, that one-on-one connection with him. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said it to to his disciples. He even said to them, he's like, hey, listen, my sheep, my followers, my people, my kids, my friends, they recognize my voice. They, they know when I'm talking. He says, and I know them. It doesn't say they know me. He says, I know them. They recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Matthew chapter 7, verse, uh, verse 21, talks about uh, probably one of the scariest verses in the Bible. You know, there's a difference between knowing God and God knowing you. It'd be like me if I'm walking through Ottawa and I'm like, whoa, there's Stephen Harper. I'd be like, I know Stephen Harper because I know what he looks like. I, I recognize that comb over, you know. I'd recognize him right away. I'd be like, hey, hey, that's Stephen Harper. And it'd be pretty cool that, that I would have seen him, right? So in one sense, I could say, yeah, I know him well enough to recognize him in a crowd. But what would be more amazing is if I'm walking through Ottawa and Stephen Harper goes, whoa, there's Mark Vanderweer. You didn't pay your taxes. No, I'm just... <laughs> But that he knew me for some other reason would be pretty impressive, would be pretty incredible. And a lot of times that's the way it is with us and God. We're like, yeah, I know God. I know what he looks like. I know what he sounds like. I know that thing. But isn't it even more incredible when it says, hey, he knows you? He knows you? It, it, it's, it's absolutely in, uh, uh, amazing. When you look at Matthew chapter 7, this is what uh, one gal texted me this week. And thanks for that. She's like, hey, do you got some time? Because this is a loaded question. And, and in, in Matthew chapter 7, it, it's, uh, she says this, I was reading through and I got to this verse. He's like, what does this mean? I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit, um, a little bit scared. In verse 21, it says, 
Not everyone. Oh, it's okay. Well, it's just a baby. It's all good. It's all good. Lots of those around. Um, Verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. You know what says Lord, Lord? We've learned before that when they put the two words together, that's bold. That's like shouting. That's like not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many are going to say to me, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. Pretty awesome. These are like super Christians. You know, any of you cast out demons recently? Miracles? Prophesied. Right then. All right. So these, these guys, like we look at it, it's like, wow, those super Christians. And he says, but I'll reply to them, I never knew you. I, mean, I remember reading this first time as a kid. You know, every time you start reading through the Bible, the beginning of the year, you get to chapter 7, like, well, that sucks. I don't know if I know. Oh, man, that's terrible. What if, what if I'm that guy? I'm going to go read something happy. Let's go to Psalms, you know. <laughs> Let's go read something a lot more fun than that. And, 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 and thus, you know, never getting through. But here's the thing. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to these people. And he says, listen, I, I never knew you. You know, and this person texted me and said, you know, I, I haven't cast out any demons recently or ever. You know, I haven't, I haven't prophesied. I just feel like, you know, reading this, I feel like I got to do more. And I talked to my parents about this, and they didn't know what to say. And she's like, I'm asking you, what do, what do I do now? So I asked this question. I said, have you been reading Galatians with us? Yeah, I've been going through every single one of the things. I've listened to it online even. I said, and what's the main, main goal of Galatians so far? What's the main theme? Anybody remember? Jesus. Who we are in Christ the opposite of doing. Isn't it interesting that the enemy, even after all of this time, would right away put the feeling of, I've got to do something? He said, you know, the, the thought that right away in reading this is like, oh, I need to do more, and yet have no idea what you're supposed to do? This is, this is the trickiest trap of the enemy that you could ever have, is that he'll make you feel like you're not doing enough without giving you any idea of what you should be doing. If you feel like that, that is 100% the enemy. God is not saying you should do more, do more, do more, and leave you without any idea. His whole design was that you'd be led by, by Holy Spirit. That's why I love Galatians chapter 5. What does he say? Be led by the Spirit. Not do, be. He says, as you are being led by the Spirit, what happens out of that? The fruits happen in your life. They grow in your life just because you're listening to God. Your focus is not need to go on saying, hey, this is what I need to do now that I'm a Christian. Just be his kid. And when he says, hey, do this, I'm going to do it. But you're going to know exactly what it is. You're going to know exactly who you should talk to or witness to. It's not like, oh, man, I'm a Christian now. i got to witness more. Oh, uh, oh, uh, shoot, I don't even know what to say. Well, that guy looks good. Hey, knock, knock, knock. Hey, are you a son of God? Do you want to be? Do you know that you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Christ? And they look at you like you got three heads. And it's not effective at all. Why? Because God's not been working on them yet. He didn't send you there. You just thought, oh, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do. And we get back into impressing God. Just, and, and out of that, we think, if we win them to the Lord, it's like the Judaizers, like, hey, I did it, man. I did it. And we measure ourselves by that again. He says, listen, he says, he, he didn't care about the casting out demons. He didn't care about all that kind of stuff. He just says, what I cared about is that I never knew you. So my question for you is the same thing. Do, do you know him? Does he know you? Is there that relationship? Is that what's paramount in your life? You know, or, is, or when you get to heaven, it's going to be really unfamiliar. It'd be like getting to the pearly gates, and it's like a telemarketer's there. Hello, Mr. Vanderweyer. We're glad you're here. You know, like, uh, it's Vanderweer. Oh, oh, yes, I, I, I remember that. Heaven shouldn't be that way. That the fact that there's this thing of, yeah, I know God. There's that, that relationship that, that's something that 
is, is so important in our lives. Jesus has talked to them just before this. He said, you can know people by their fruits. He says, you can judge them. Just look at them. A, a good tree that never grows bad fruit. A bad tree doesn't grow good fruit. And we think, you know, that's what he's saying to us as we look at it. We can look at people's lives and realize based on the fruit that's growing in their life, we can judge them by, by that, by the fruit of their life. But we can't judge their salvation based on that. Because Jesus says this, I look at the heart. Because you can see great fruit in people's lives, and it means absolutely nothing. My kids did a homeschool project this, uh, this year, this winter, to feed the birds. And they created these strings of popcorn, and they made these little pine cones, and then put them in peanut butter and rolled them in sesame seeds. And then they went out, and they made this Christmas tree out in the bush, and they hung all of these things on it. And I was going on the quad later on with the kids, and I'm driving down along there. And all of a sudden, like, pine tree, pine tree, pine tree. I'm like, whoa, popcorn tree. I never saw that before. That's pretty awesome. And then, whoa, look at that, a sesame seed and peanut butter tree. I always wonder where that came from. It, you know, I'd realize if I'm looking at that, I can't judge and say, oh, those trees, you know, that, that, the fruit that's on those trees, it must be, you know, that must be a popcorn tree. We'd be fools to think that, wouldn't we? And it's the same way he says that that's the Pharisees. That's exactly what they were doing. They were doing all of their good works, putting it on their life, focusing on making the outside look really good, really spiritual. And he says, that life's for the birds. He really says it's not, that there's no validity in that at all. Matthew chapter um, Matthew chapter 15, he talks about it again. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he says this. He says, their lips, he says, with their lips, they praise me, but their heart's far from me. Because he, he, he doesn't care what it looks like on the outside. He gave his life to do all that for you. So that's not his primary concern. His primary concern is relationship. So if we miss that, we miss everything that, that he gave his life for. Out of the relationship comes all the other stuff, but it's that heart that matters. Luke chapter 10 talks about how the disciples went out. He says, and they went out and they were, they were um, Jesus sent them out and they came back again. So another guy texted me this. It was pretty cool. He says, as they, they came back, he says, they're rejoicing. He's like, they come back and like, Jesus, it was awesome. He says, we cast out demons and they actually had to leave. He's like, that was so amazing. Jesus like, yeah, I know, eh? It's like pretty awesome. He says, I gave you guys all authority. He says, guess what? Like when, back in the day when I was up in heaven with dad, guess what happened? We he saw Satan like get his butt kicked out out of heaven. He went to earth so fast it looked like a lightning bolt. And, he's, and the disciples were like, yeah, you know, props, high five, Jesus, that was pretty sweet. And they start telling these stories about, you know, hey, this is how the demons all uh, operate. And then he says, hey, hold on a second. He says, don't, just one second, don't get focused on that. He says, don't rejoice in the fact that the demons have to listen to you. He, he, he says, it's cool. He says, don't get your heart and your head and your focus and be exceedingly joyful about the fact that demons listen to you. He says, there's one thing to be exceedingly joyful, focused on, excited about, and that is that your names are registered in heaven, that you have connection with dad, that there is this heavenly relationship. I was like, you know what? As I read that text, I was like, oh man, <laughs> that is so much what it's about. Because otherwise we get into this thing of spiritual one-upmanship, where we look around the church and we're like, you know, I'm more spiritual than so-and-so. I prayed at six o'clock this morning, at least for three hours. You know, it's like eight o'clock and you just don't know how to do math. You know, there's, uh, there's there, but there's this, there's this thought sometimes of looking around like, oh, that person's way more spiritual than me. I know some of you think that about me. I, I, I know, just because of the, the whole way of when I sat in that pew and I looked up at, at people speaking at the front, I thought, wow, they must be much more spiritual. You know, we get this whole thought process of missing out on the fact that the relationship with us and dad is unique to us. In the same way that I have a different relationship with each one of you, with my wife, with my kids, the relationship you have with dad is unique to you. So live that relationship. Have that relationship. Paul says this, last two verses. Verses 10, 12. 
Oh, wait. It could be in the right book. Edit that out, Chris. Make me sound smart. Galatians chapter uh, 4, verse 10. He says, you are trying to earn favor with God. He says, you're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days, months, seasons, or years. He says, I'm fearful for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from that. He says, they're trying to earn favor with God. He says, you're trying to earn something that you already have. You already have favor with God because of Jesus. You're already in right standing. You're righteous with God because of what Jesus did for you. So, and same thing for you. You don't have to do anything to earn his favor. It's not like you have to try and be his kid. You just are his kid if you're a follower of Christ, if you've received that. And he says, you know what they're doing? He says, they're trying to earn favor by observing certain days. And he, he had just said, back in the day, this is what you did when you were, when you were a pagan. When you were following these, these, these demonic gods who had no power to save you, He's like, you were doing days and you were doing rituals and you were doing all this kind of stuff. And he says, listen, I want to show you something. You're doing the same thing again. You're going right back to what you used to be doing. It just looks different this time. Did you realize that today there's people in here or here who are worshiping God and there are people here in this building who are worshiping demons? Like, what? That's what Paul's saying to the Galatian church. And he's like, well, how do I know? You know, for instance, if you guys came in here and all the lights were off and I was in a dark black cape and I had like little candles in the window and vials of blood beside them and we were sacrificing cats here at the front, you'd be like, I don't know, man, I think this is demonic, you know? Like this doesn't look like, this doesn't look right. You wouldn't need like a word from God to know that it's demonic, right? Right. You would, you would just know this doesn't look right. Paul's saying the same thing. He's like, hey, don't, don't you realize that just by going to church on Sunday, because that's the thing to do, is worshiping demons? He says, if, if you're only here because it's a part of your routine in life, he says, you're, you're not really worshiping God. He says, you're, you're doing this out of the wrong thing. He's like, hey, look at the heart. He says, you're trying to earn favor with God by going to church on Sunday. So my question for you is the same thing. What, why are you here today? Can we just talk straight up? Some of you have been here a long time, what, but why are you here today? Is there something in your heart that says, hey, if I, if I go to church, you know, at least, you know, that's going to be a good thing. That's going to hopefully wipe out some of the bad things I've been doing all week. Is there a, is there a heart where he says, you know, that they've been following seasons and, and recognizing some of these, these different uh, things that say, you know, the whole idea of Lent. You know, if you're like, yeah, you know, I'm celebrating Lent because it's a good way to lose weight. You know, <laughs> no sweets, it's good. Or, or is it because of the whole purpose of, of that focusing on, on Christ? What, what about the seasons? You know, what about the celebrations of Christmas and Easter? Isn't it odd that Christmas and Easter are the two Sundays that, you know, where this place is packed? Why? Because there's this thought even in our culture, we're so blessed to have the freedom of religion, and yet it can be a curse to us. It really can. If the fact that we could sit in a building and, and, and that sounds like that's called a church, and yet never, never understand what it was really all about, that the relationship with God is not there, it's not, it's not right, you know, all of these things, celebrating Christmas and New Year's and, and, and Easter and Sundays and all those kind of things, they're not wrong in and of themselves. They aren't. There, there's, I'm not saying, hey, don't come here, don't come back next Sunday, you know, that you're worshiping demons. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in and of themselves, they're not right or not wrong. It's what is the hard intention of why you do them. This morning, my, my hope 
is that, you know, that in your heart, you would have come here this morning to celebrate the greatness of God with your family. You just said, hey, that's why I'm here, to make a big deal out of who he is. That I'm here to worship him because of who he is. That I'm going to hang out with my brothers and sisters because they're my family in Christ. And it's good to see them. It's good to encourage them. And and that's why you're here this morning. And I know many of you, that is why you come here. There's There's nobody twisting your arm. But for those of you here who say, hey, I'm kind of sitting in here, and no, I'm more like the other guy. I'm thinking hopefully this is going gonna, is gonna to save me. Hopefully this is going to put me some good points in with God. And outside of this place, throughout your week, there is no thought, there's no connection to Heavenly Father. You're missing out on what he gave his life for. So my challenge to you this morning, and it's, it's, it's pretty strong, is that you would take full advantage of what Christ gave his life for, and that is having the relationship with Jesus Christ, the relationship with, with God the Father through, through his son Christ. And Paul's, what he's begging the Galatian church, the same thing. He's like, guys, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. You don't beg and plead with people you don't care about. He says, I'm begging you guys. I'm pleading with you that you would just live, simply live in the freedom of what it is to be a Christ follower, that you'd know his voice, that you'd recognize, that you'd follow him, Say, well, okay, Mark, that's what I want to do. How, how do I do it? What do I do now? Let me leave you with this thought. The Bible just talks about it many times through. It's all the way through. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, he says, you'll, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. If it becomes the thing of your life to say, this is what I want to know. God, I want to know you. Matthew chapter 7, he talks to his disciples. He says things like this. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Because whoever asks they receive. Whoever's seeking, they find. Whoever knocks, that door gets open to them. So my, my challenge to you is to, to keep um, just keeping your focus on Christ and on the relationship, building it with him. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, that, you know, right now, we only see things in, in, in a kind of an, an image, like a puzzle. It doesn't all quite fit together. But he says, one day, we're going we're gonna to know even as we are fully known, that, we'll, that, that you're already fully known by God, that you're his kid. It's not this whole thing of trying to earn anything anymore, but just to focus on him. And I want to close with this verse from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11, it says this, I once thought these things, and the things he's talking about is all the good stuff he's ever done in his life. All of, you know, his birth, the fact that he was Jewish, the fact that he kept the law, the fact that he was, you know, memorized five books of the Bible. Paul was saying this, I used to think that those things were valuable, but now I consider them all worthless. They're worth nothing because of what Christ has done. He's done it all. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else. I count it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself, it depends on faith. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And he says this, which, you know, I would pray would become the heartbeat of our lives. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. In that order. I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I want to suffer with him. Well, wait a second. What? <laughs> whoa, wait, whoa, whoa. I don't, I don't know if I want this so much anymore. He says, I want to know him, sharing in his death so that one way or another I'll experience resurrection from the dead. The more that I read and the more that I study, the more I realize that this life that we live is 
more about Christ than maybe we realize. That the focus, the passion of our heart is what, that resonates with me is what Paul said, that my life, everything that I have, everything that I've been seeking after, it's worth nothing. I, I want to know him because in him, it's like, you know, maybe you got to check some things off in your life and say, well, you know, I don't know, what I, I don't know where I'm at. If you were like me and still looking for the very next gadget that Apple made to, you know, to, to once I have that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do something for me. Or the next car, or you're buying homes you can't afford. You're driving cars that you should not be driving because you can't afford them. Or all these things, you know, you're missing out on what the passion is. When you say, you know what, everything I have, it's, it's worth nothing compared to knowing Christ. That is the heartbeat and passion of my life. That I'm not going to try and do anything for God unless he tells me to do it. And I'm not going to try and be some super Christian. I'm just going to be his kid. You know, in that sim- simple focus, amazing things, amazing fruit will grow out of your life. I can't wait to get to Galatians chapter 5 because it is phenomenal stuff. But I want to leave you with that this morning to say, you know, as you wake up tomorrow or even as you leave this place this afternoon, God, God, I want to know you a little bit better this afternoon than I did this morning. And when you wake up tomorrow, God, I want to know you today. I, I, I want to walk in what you want for me on Tuesday. God, man, I, I, I want to know you today. And live your life with that as your focus. All the rest of those things pale in comparison. Maybe you're seeking things like, man, I, I'm really trying to just get healthy. You know, everything is all about the doctors and all that kind of stuff. You know what? Paul preached while he was dead sick didn't care about his, about that. It wasn't his primary focus, you know, to have all the money, to have the perfect job, to have security. Why do we care? I've been in Guatemala where they live in little mud huts and they got Christ. What's the deal? Well, what if I have to sell my house and downsize? Who cares? It's all nothing if you have Christ. Him, he will fill such the, 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 the vision of the, the, the desire of your heart that you won't need any of that stuff. You could rent, you know, an apartment with three other people and it's not going to be, or you can live in your parents' basement for 10 years, and it's not going to have the shame because it doesn't own you. It doesn't define you. Can, can we get there? Because our world is searching, searching for that. They want Jesus. They want Jesus. And I believe it's the same car, passion in my heart to know Christ. Would you join us as just we go through Galatians to keep looking for that and to just simplify and just say, you know what, God, I just want to know you. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I believe I've shared what you put on my heart to share this morning. God, I leave these words in your hands and in the hearts of people here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to water these seeds, that they would bear fruit uh, of freedom, that they'd bear fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of your patience, of your kindness, of your gentleness, of your goodness. God, of faithfulness in our lives and of self-control. Uh, Lord, I, I pray this morning that others here would experience what you're doing in my life. That just that, that the greatness of knowing you, that everything else pales in comparison. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing in and through us. Lord, for those who don't really know you here this morning, I, I pray you make them incredibly aware of that. that uh, also that you would just reveal the simplicity of your good news that they can just put their faith and just trust in the fact that you love them and you gave your life for them. They can leave their life behind and just live life by faith in you. God, thank you for this amazing family that you've put together. It is an incredible blessing to be a part of it. Lord, I pray your, your blessing over them this week. I pray your strength over them this week. I pray uh, your hope and your peace and above all, your truth and your life to resonate in and through them. God's for your glory. That's why we live in your name.
Amen.